0: Now, you're gone west off to Vanderbilt. It's going to be a rough commute every Sunday coming down here. <laughs> but you're, you're established on the worship team and we kind of expect you to be here. Every Sunday. <laughs> do appreciate you, you and your sister just being so faithful to worship using your talents for the Lord. 2 Samuel 18, we're going to look at the second half of that chapter, verse 19 through 33. And the coup, the revolt of Absalom, it is over. Joab, David's uh, captain, has thrust three spears through the midsection of Absalom as he hung in the boughs of an oak tree. He was supposedly hanging there by, the story goes, by the hair of his head, but scripture doesn't say that. It says he was hung by his head there. But the ten armor bearers of Joab, they have finished off Absalom, and Absalom's revolt against King David, it's over. Joab, he blows the trumpet calling for all of David's troops to stop their pursuit of Absalom and his troops. And David has many loyal soldiers, and they've triumphed over Absalom. They're in the woods, in the wilderness, and the woods, with all their dangers, have actually helped David and his men in victory. Joab buries Absalom, he puts him in a pit, covers his body with a huge pile of stones, and Joab takes away the possibility of Israel memorializing Absalom. Yet, you go to Israel today, and there's a monument there, Absalom's tomb. Don't go by the monuments. We know the monuments, most of them came by Constantine's mother who went down into Israel and she began to anoint places as uh, places of, um, of worship and this kind of thing. And you have to kind of put that aside when you visit Israel, knowing that many of these sites that are supposedly holy sites are nothing more than what somebody thought was a holy place. But Joab, David's general, has disobeyed David's command not to harm Absalom. Now, Absalom was David's third son. And we looked last week at how Joab kind of acted on his own in saving many lives of fellow Israelites who followed Absalom Joab in his actions ended this civil war that's going on but you can't overlook the fact that Joab was disobedient to David's command and we asked the question last week and I got a lot of responses on that was Joab right or wrong in disobeying David uh the one Libby boy, Eli, he agreed with me. And Eli's about 10 or 11, so uh, hey, I had one person that agreed with me. And now we go back to the battle scene of Joab and his dealings with Absalom. So let's read 2 Samuel 18, 19 through 33. Then Ahaz, the son of Zadok, said... Let me run now and take the news of the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news because the king's son is dead. Joab just being a little sensitive to David's uh, personal feelings. Then Joab said to the Cushite, "Go tell the king what you have seen." So the Cushite bowed low uh, to Joab and ran. And a of Azaz, that's a difficult one for me, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, "But whatever happened, please let me also run after the Cushite." So Joab said, "Why will you run, my son, since you have no news?" Ready? That's a good question. But whatever happened, he said, "Let me run." So he said to him, "Run." Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went over, up on the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, "Is he alone?" There is news in his mouth, and he came rapidly and drew near. When the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimazaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man. He comes with good news. So Ahimaaz. said, called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is a young man Absalom safe? Ahemazaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult. But I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who arise against you to do harm be like the young man, and Absalom basically is dead, and that's the Cushite's message. Then the king was deeply moved, and went out <clears throat> and went up to the chamber over the gate, and he wept. And as he went, he said thus: "O oh, my son Absalom, my son!" My son, Absalom. If only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. David is obviously terribly grieved about Absalom's death. But the lessons in this uh, encounter of David and Absalom and the runner running uh, are great. There's great messages here. Great lessons for us. To be a runner. With a message. You got to know your message. The Cushite has the message. He has the news of Absalom's death. And he diligently and kindly tells David. Absalom is dead. The Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. But he doesn't mention Absalom, but that was the intent. David is pointed, he wants to know, is Absalom safe? The Kushat tells David, May all your enemies who rise against you be as Absalom. David is... Basically told, Absalom, your son is dead. And David, who has appeared as an uncaring father, he mourns and he laments deeply for his son, Absalom. Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. And then he says, if only I had died in your place, my son Absalom. We see, we hear David pour out his love over a rebellious son. You can't overlook the fact that David says, If only I had died in your place. David has just been chased out of Jerusalem. He's been pursued by Absalom. And yet he's willing to die. He even desired to die, if possible, instead of Absalom, who he's running from. And David is sincere as you can be sincere. David desired to die in the place of his rebellious son, Absalom. But the son of David, Jesus the Christ, he will die in place of the whole world. Let's bring that a little closer to home. Jesus dying in the place of you and I. He died for us. David knew Absalom, David understood Absalom killed Amnon, his other son, for his sins against his daughter Tamar. David knows Absalom desired to be king so eagerly, even if it involved killing David, killing his own father. Absalom has brought about the death of many, it says thousand, twenty thousand 20,000 Israelites in his coup, in his rebellion, in his treasonous act against David. David knew Absalom deserved death for his grievous sin. David knew that, and yet he still proclaims, if only I could die in the place of my son." David is still a father who desperately loves his son, his guilty son. And I believe the love of David for a sinful son is one of the main reasons we hear God declare David a man after my own heart. David, uh, not David, but Jesus realized his purpose on earth probably at a much earlier age than we would consider. I think he realized it before he was 12 years old there in the temple talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he knew his purpose for coming to earth. He knew why he came. For God so loved you and I that he gave his only son to die a shameful death. Death on a cross was reserved for lawbreakers, capital punishment for people who had broke the Roman law, and it was a a shameful death. You were hung up for the whole world to gaze at you as an example of a lawbreaker, one who had broke Roman law. And we have David willing, even desiring to die in place of his son Absalom, who's out to kill him. This gives us, to me, a graphic picture of God the Father willfully surrendering Jesus to be that supreme sacrifice for mankind. And David expresses the heart of God the Father, who also would have gladly died in the place of Jesus. And sometimes I think we miss that. God the Father, I say to you, was willing to die in the place of Jesus, but it had to be Jesus. David expresses the heart of God when he's wanting to die in place of Absalom. God gave us his only begotten son. Sometimes I think we get caught up In the crucifixion and how brutal it was, and it was brutal. And we miss out on the suffering of the Father. When Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How do you think God the Father felt? Wow. I think we have God the Father expressing his love for us through David. When David cries out, I would have desired, I would have gladly died for you, Absalom, if I could have only died in your place, but it wasn't to be. And we have David and we have Absalom, and they're out there for our consideration. We get to look back on them and see the things that went on, see the rebellion of Absalom, and see the love of David. And it's uh, it's touching, to say the least. But let's go back to the runner, Ahimaazaz, who wants to run to David with news, but Ahimaaz, he doesn't have any news. He wants to run, but he doesn't have a message. And then Joab says, ah, go ahead and run if you want to run. And Ahimaaz outruns the Cushite who arrives at David's headquarters, but he has no news. David asks, is Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz replies, I saw a great tumult, but I didn't know what it was all about. Wow. <laughs> And David has Ahimazaz turn aside and he says, All right, go ahead, just stand over there. And Ahimazaz is an example of ambition and zeal wanting to run, but no message. I get concerned for young men wanting to become a pastor or a teacher. Because it's a good profession. Some people actually choose to be uh, a pastor or a teacher because they think it would be appealing to stand before people and do this. Unfortunately, we have many pastors that have their sons follow them in ministry. And some of them, not all of them, some of them, never were called to ministry, and they travail without a message. It's unfair to these sons who are in pulpits and are in ministry, and it's unfair to their followers. These sons that entered the ministry, and they want to run, but they don't have a message. Ahimezaz, we're told, was a good man. And it was assumed when he was seen that he had a good message. But he arrives and he has no message. Ministry has many tentacles to it. It has many directions it can take. And I never try to tell someone what they're called to. But if you're called to ministry, called to serve, you must resolve that issue first. Am I called to serve? Well, I think we're basically all called to serve. It's just not all will make their living from that ministry. But you've got to resolve that issue. I was a young man in my late 20s when I had to resolve the call that God was putting on my life. I fought it. Fought it for a while. I was like Jacob. I wrestled with the Lord. (laughs) And for in my mind, as soon as I surrender to the Lord, he's going to have me go to some third world nation where there's hardship, where there's, you know, suffering and poverty and all these difficulties. And... I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) But I settled that issue finally. And this was after probably a full year of wrestling with the Lord. And I solved the issue, okay, Lord, whatever you have. I entered ministry full time in my early 50s. That openly qualifies me as a slow learner. And for most people who serve the Lord, you'll never earn your living serving the Lord. Many of you will be behind the scenes. You will be a children's church teacher. You will be deacons. You will will serve the Lord with no recognition. And your commitment to serve... Is simply God calling you to Himself. Come, serve me. Know this many are called, and many want to serve God, but there also are many who want to serve God on their conditions. And we have um, Ahimazaz. He's a good man, he runs, but he has no message. And he's told by David, just stand over there and we'll hear what the Cushite has to say. I have a pastor friend. And he got into the ministry. And his mens- his message from the Lord was, teach my word. That was it. But he had his message. He had God's word to lead him, to guide him. And that's all he was given for is going and starting a church and so forth was teach my word. I personally want to give anybody and everybody called to serve that opportunity to serve. I'm just a glorified talent scout looking around seeing who God wants to use but I don't want to be an interference to anyone serving God. I don't want to be a discouragement versus an encouragement. And there are, I know some men, some pastors, who will try to discourage young people from getting into the ministry because they're testing them to see if they're really interested in ministry. I can't do that. I can't bring myself to do that I simply say to you if God is calling you to himself submit do it go with it to serve the living God will be the most fulfilling trying thing perhaps you will ever experience it's grace grace That God allows us to serve Him. God gets His work done through vessels like you and I. He chooses to use His people to promote His kingdom. That's God's ways. Many of the vessels are flawed. We've studied David. My goodness, David, (laughs) he knew how to sin. (laughs) <laughs> he, he had it down. But so do I, and so do you. And God still promotes his kingdom through flawed vessels. But the word is, if you're going to serve God, have a message, have something to tell, give the hope that lies within you. Is what we're called to do. Amen? Amen. So, before I get you to stand and pray, and we we'll close with prayer. I encourage anyone that they even suspect God is calling them to himself. You go with it. He will show you. He will lead you. And he will give you a message. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close.